Welcome to Small Bites Radio with Donato Marino and Derek Tim. We hope you're hungry. Welcome everybody to Wildfire Radio, Small Bites. I'm Donato Marino, and yes, going live on the screen does that pounce to your face. <laughs> Don, can you believe we've been kicked out of studio? What is What has this world come to that I can't cuddle and touch you anymore live in person? I know. I know, and I have stuff for you, and I can't even give it to you. I'm telling you, technology's great, but I guess we'll see how this goes. This is our first show remote. We've seen it on ESPN. We've seen it on all of the sports radios, and now it's come to the food world. I think, well, I think it uh, brings us into the modern age. One can only say, I've said it multiple times, this is a face for radio. There's no place for video <laughs> going here. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are, but I think you're more prettier than I am. Oh, well, thank you, Don. I, I, I should say handsome. I appreciate that. I'll take pretty. I'll take any compliment I can, I can take. But it is great to see you at least. I can, I, can, I can reach out. Uh, there we go. We, we can physically, we, we can, uh, I guess, digitally touch each other. But we have lots of big show. It's our first, first show going live into the great nether world. And I'm excited to be here with you, Don. I'm, I, me too. I, I, I'm, so far, everything's going great. Everything sounds good. So let's uh, move John on. Howard Fusco could not make it. That's usually how we kick these things off. I think he's busy writing his next book. Uh, he, he has... Uh, Things to Eat in Cape May, Google him, John Howard Fusco. It's a New York Times recognized uh, for his blog and his book. But we've got an exciting guest to come on our show. Do you know who that is, Don? I do. It's Susie Chase. And Osborne? Well, Susie Chase shall go by. Okay. But enough. here is the exciting part. She is getting ready to launch Season 9 of Cookery by the Book Podcast. It's the number one cookbook podcast, and she's pretty much the one who created the cookbook Apple Podcasts food category. Over 40,000 subscribers. That's amazing. Wow, Over that is amazing. That is amazing. And we're going to welcome here. Susie, how's it going tonight? Let's see if – look at that. Look at the okay, power. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going tonight, Susie? Hey guys, I think 
I think this is so much fun that this is your first virtual show. I'm so honored to be here. There's no one else I'd rather have be on than you. Right. I mean, I mean, you are a pioneer, a groundbreaker. You're the go-to authority for everything cookbook. And here's the weird thing, Don. She's sort of well, at least she's like me. She doesn't. She admits that she doesn't even like to cook. How odd is that? Yeah. Isn't that funny? Well, Do you guys like have- to cook? I love to cook. Don does. Not me. Not uh, I, I, I only you, love Don. to eat. I only love to eat. <laughs> me too. Me too. So my, my, my season this year is um, all about reclaiming joy in the kitchen. And I kind of came to terms with the fact that, okay, I, I, I like to cook. I don't love to cook, but I really don't like to bake. So on my show this year, I... Just admit it. Hey, you know what? I really don't like to bake. Um, so I think it's okay if you really don't like to bake or cook. You and can the thing is, they're so cool to look at. Yes. When you scroll through them, like you, the pictures, to me, I'll scroll through a cookbook and I'll see the pictures. And there's times when I go on Grubhub or anything like that or my um, local uh, restaurant, and I'll order what I just saw in a cookbook. Because, I mean, how many times have we, when we used to be in studio, Don? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we would look through the cookbooks together, and we'd be like, oh, man, that looks good. I'm having that after the show. <laughs> yes, people read cookbooks like novels. And why yeah, do you think that is? Because I think cooking brings you back to home. It brings you back to your familiar, your memories. And cookbooks also teach you things. You know, I'm always learning um, from the cookbook authors I have on my show. Now, are you able to share with us some sneak peeks of who we may be able to hear on season (laughs) nine? Well, um, so I just had John Cannell on. Have you talked to him? He's He has Preppy Kitchen. We have not talked to him yet, oh. but we will certainly have to if, if you recommend it. You have to. He has, he has a crazy YouTube channel, and Preppy isn't preppy like the clothes. It's about prepping. So he's great. Um, coming up, I'm having the new Betty Crocker cookbook on. It's the 13th edition. Um, and it's been updated, but they've kept some of the old favorites that we all love, like the chocolate chip cookies. Oh, what better than a great chocolate chip cookie? Especially with the big Betty chips. Crocker. Yeah, the yes. Big chips. <sighs> and I have uh, Jacques Pepin coming up with Art of the Chicken. I mean, who knew he was a huge painter and he loves he loved to paint chickens. Really? Yeah. So he has a whole cookbook, and it's mostly his chicken paintings. He's been doing these chicken paintings for 50 years, which started just doing menus at home for his family. And he just, like, put a little chicken on it. And the funny thing about this cookbook is he has recipes in it. The the publisher really wanted him to have recipes in this cookbook. But he said, no, I don't want them. So he's basically talking us through. There aren't any measurements there aren't really any ingredients. It's his narrative of how he would make a, for example, a roast chicken. And it's kind of cool just to read it and interpret what he's saying. 
That's awesome. I mean, uh, you have the the cream of the crop authors on here. And Don, like, what do you always look for in a cookbook? Because you, you're, you're always taking cookbooks home and making sure that Lisa has them. My, my take on the cookbooks is I like a cookbook that's, of course, has a nice visual presentation and also something that's fairly say idiot proof <laughs> something that says add this add that and this will be your results and you don't like it when it says a pinch of this and a dash of that which i had no idea what that is <laughs> it's like how hard do you pinch like, three stooges you pinch the chicken and put boiling water through it and would you agree with that, Susie? Is, are those the type of cookbooks that you like? What What are the types of cookbooks that you enjoy? I'm excited to have a cookbook that, um, well, a couple of, dip, uh, two kinds of cookbooks I love. Easy. I love an easy cookbook. Allie Slagle, I Dream of Dinner. Her cookbook came out last season. It's amazing. It's like five ingredients, and she writes for the New York Times. That is... I also love a cookbook that I'm going to learn from. Like I have a cookbook coming up co called Rambutan. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it's all about fruit food from Sri Lanka. So those are the two kinds of cookbooks I like. What are the kind of cookbooks you guys like? Or you, Donato, not you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely agree with your first one. Nice, easy, five ingredients. Come out with a nice meal. They're the kind of cookbooks I like the best. And I do enjoy the cookbooks, but I enjoy the cookbooks with a story for each recipe. Because yes. those are the ones that I, that when we get the authors that are sort of like, this was my grandmother's recipe, it takes me back to this. Or if uh, the author traveled somewhere, because I'm a big traveler. So when I see those type of cookbooks, I'm like, well, that's where I want to travel to next. Exactly. It has to have stories. It can't just be anymore. It just can't be a collection of recipes. And then and then you start thinking, wow, who wrote this recipe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it always makes you wonder. Now, here's a question that for myself to answer, I'm embarrassed to admit this. Do you remember who your first guest was? Because as you said, this is your ninth season now, because I'm going to have to go through my memory. But I'm a, I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember who Small Bites' first guest was. Don, you weren't with us back no, then. No, I wasn't with you back then. But I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember who it was. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I should have been removed off this show a long time ago. <laughs> No, uh, so my first guest was uh, Ben Van Leeuwen of Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. Um, they're all over New York City, and um, it was a really interesting cookbook about how they source their ingredients. Like they go, you know, it was a long time ago, but they go somewhere in South America for the vanilla. So they get like the best vanilla, the best everything. So yeah, that was my first interview so long ago. And what would you say that you look back at that first interview and say, man, I can't believe that's what I was doing compared to season nine. Because even though I don't remember the first guest, I can think back 
to previous episodes, previous seasons, and think to myself, I got to get better at this. I have to do this a little bit different. Do you reflect on it in that way, or do you just move forward with whatever you're doing next? No, I feel like I've loosened up a lot. You know, I'm sure you were so stiff at the mm. very first interview because mm -hmm. you want to sound, you know, informative and smart and everything. Uh, but now I just ask stupid questions like, you know, how do you how oh, do you you'd press? fit right in here? Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> <laughs> It would be perfect on it. That's all we do is every yeah. this interview right here is proof in the pudding. That's all that's all that's all we do. But for the cookbooks that you have forward coming into the fall and winter, or even in the past, who's that one guest who when you saw it listed from a publicist or you reached out and asked if you could speak to them, who gave you goosebumps when you were like Wow, I'm excited to work with this person. Oh, Nigella, hands mm. down. I mean, she's the queen. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I remember for myself, the first person that I was excited to speak to was Myron Mixon, because I'm a big barbecue guy, certified judge. And Wait a minute, who's Myron Mixon? I, I'm from Kansas City, and I have to admit I've never heard of Myron Mixon. Myron Mixon is the winningest man in competition barbecue. What? He has won millions of dollars in competition barbecue. He owns many restaurants and has if the most successful traveling competition barbecue team. He does classes. He does all of that. Now, even though you are from Kansas City, the uh, society, Kansas City Barbecue Society, is who sanctions the events. Yep. Myron Mixon himself is from the Georgia area. Okay, so he's not real barbecue. Whoa, no, no, no. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> We're going to have to get Myron on. <laughs> Let's get Myron on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but there's a lot of debate in the barbecue world. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, I mean, there's sauce, no sauce. I mean, you could just start a fight over those two words right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say is that you're looking to accomplish moving forward with Cookery by the Book podcast? Because as you've admitted to yourself, you – have now learned that you collect them, that you like the simple recipes, and that you look forward to looking at the cookbooks, but you're not in it for the actual cooking itself. What direction do you see yourself moving towards? Do you s staying in the same path? Or will you stay completely with cookbooks, or do you think you could adjust a little bit here or there? Well... So here's the thing. My mom never taught me how to cook. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, she was in the 70s. She divorced my dad like all of our moms did in the 70s, some of ours, and she she got a job. So she didn't have time to cook. So she, what I want to do with this podcast is learn how to be a better cook, and that's what I've been doing this whole time because um, – you know, my mom didn't have time. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm learning and I want to learn more from these cookbooks, but 
I just launched another podcast, The Companion to Cookery by the Book, called Decorating by the Book, which is the very first decorating book podcast. So it's a whole, like, Martha Stewart thing happening over here. But which season is the best? Because obviously if you're going to decorate, you're going to get, just like barbecue, you're going to get into the argument of what is the best time to decorate for which event, which season, which holiday. Oh, well, this is decorating your home. This is timeless decorating. Oh, um, so it's not uh, specific. So it's more interior decorating sort exactly, of thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I just had on a guy named Nick Mealy, and he has a book called A Newport Summer, where he um, kind of took us behind the scenes at like the high-end parties in kind of a slim errands sort of way, the opulent, uh, an opulent view of Newport and the interior designs. And what's funny about Newport is it's all these beautiful old homes that they call cottages, but they're actually mansions. And they keep, they all have kept the, the, the original like 1950s kitchens. Mm. Mm. That is interesting. Now, (laughs) how about they could it could be a spin into the food world with this because one of the individuals who I've always uh, liked and followed is Anne White. She is the uh, president and uh, creative director for AGW Interiors here in Philadelphia. Oh, and she has done Lita and the Swan, Wine Dive in Philadelphia, and the Tradesman's Barbecue. She does all of the restaurants, Bloom, and has won all of these awards uh, for the way that she decorates. And she does all of the uh, holiday decorating. So, Don, you've been to them, the Nightmare Before oh, yeah. Tinsel. Uh, so they make they make the restaurants into full-blown decorating events themed for Halloween, Christmas, things of that nature. And I I think she would be a perfect guest for you guys because I would love to get inside of her head because of the interior decorating space. I've always been intimidated to interview her because – I don't know anything. I, I'm the worst decorator there, there ever lived. I mean, uh, I can't even dress myself, let alone decorate my house. <laughs> yeah, when I, when wow. I get up in the morning, my wife has it on the bed. One, two, three, and I just put it together. And, like, and I leave in the morning. Does she actually give the stu- st- sticky notes? Uh, <laughs> just, just the numbers are good enough. She don't make it too complicated for me. <laughs> But I have to say uh, th- that to me would be a, a a a great combination for for that and for you. You've done season two of Decorating by the Book podcast, and you're already named one of the best decorating podcasts. This is a trend here. Seems like whatever you do gets named the best, and the reason being is because you are the best, Susie. You... Oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> we need music. We need music behind your speech. Well, I, I thank you, but it's well-deserved. You, oh, thank you. You put the time in. It's shown. 
your background, we can see that you were in a background of cookbook publicity and you know how to speak well, you know how to time things well, and even though, like you said, on that first podcast that you did, you wanted to be authoritative, you wanted to make sure that things sounded right, but it's because you came from major market radio, and that's the way a proper podcast really should be. I came from 1400 WOND out of Atlantic City, and... When we first came to the podcast world, it was sort of like we were blowing the minds of some of the engineers because you have a certain pace, you have a certain timing. And obviously, I was I was only an on-air segment talent doing uh, two minutes at a time, but you have the background, the knowledge, the talent. I love everything you do, and we're thrilled to have you on, Susie. We really are. We really, really, really are. And... Uh, Please share any social media, website, anything like that, because we don't want anybody to miss out yeah. of the best. Anything, <laughs> anything, anything that you do is the best, so why not? Oh, my goodness. Um, you can go to suzychase.com, S-U-Z-Y, chase.com, cookerybythebook.com, decoratingbythebook.com, and I'm also on Instagram at cookerybythebook and decoratingbythebook. Awesome. Thank you so much. And congratulations for all of your following as well. I mean, 40,000 down, that's probably old numbers. You're probably up to 60,000 or 80,000 by now. But to have a subscriber base that large in the podcast world is amazing. Congratulations again. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so, so much for having me on. Our really pleasure. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Don, that was fun, wasn't that was it? great. But do you know what is uh, a good segue? No, you do no. not, Don. A I good don't. segue is we just talked to Susie Chase of the podcast for cookbooks, and now I think would be a good time to talk about a cookbook, don't you? Oh, uh, yes, of course. Of course. It's perfect time. <laughs> How silly of us. Because the perfect person to talk to is Molly Gilbert. And boy, oh boy, does she have a wonderful cookbook out. It's called Sheet Pan Sweets. Simple, streamlined dessert recipes. How's it going tonight, Molly? I'm great. How are you guys? Oh, we Good are Molly. great. Now, just to let you know. Uh, Susie was our very first, but our, the second is just as important. This is our first show in the digital realm, our first out-of-studio yeah. show. Congratulations and welcome. It feels weird. It does. <laughs> I'm still trying to touch Don, but my computer will not let me. <laughs> working. It's not working, but it's great to have you join us. Uh, you wrote Sheet Pan Suppers, which was a huge, huge success nearly 10 years ago. Did you know it would be a concept and a future food trend? You were a trendsetter. <laughs> no one has ever called me that before in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be such you know, a lasting food trend. It's 10 years and people are still writing about sheet pan meals and sheet pan, you know, suppers. Um, but it, it does make sense to me. I think the concept is just so genius. It's like, so, 
you know, it just makes sense cooking a whole meal on a sheet pan without having to pull out all your other pans and do like all the dishes. It's something that I think um, just really resonates with busy people and who's, you know, everybody's busy. Without a doubt. And especially during the last few years, everybody was cooped up in their homes for so long and it's like uh, you, you want to make things simple uh, right. you, right. Now, I had to look at one more COVID dish <laughs> exactly what to do next what to do next now here's uh, a question that I like to ask authors who've had very successful books that have had some time to stew and for it to, to pass is there one thing that you say to yourself over and over again to say, darn, I wish I put this in the book? Um, I feel like that happens a lot. Like I, I obviously love cooking. So I'm in the kitchen a lot, experimenting a lot. I often get little things where I'm like, oh, like that would have been cool to put in that cookbook or this cookbook. But, you know, no, I think at the end of the day, a cookbook is like a moment in time and, and it's uh no, I, I feel good about what's in there. That's good. That's good. Yeah, the, the snapshot was perfect for when it came out. Well, I don't know about perfection, but it, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, some time has passed. Why did you write this book, Sheet Pan Sweets? And what makes this one so special? Great question. I have a massive sweet tooth, and I always have. And um, I just, I love baking so much. And Sheet Pan Suppers... The original book has a dessert chapter, um, but it's just one chapter in the whole book. And I really wanted to kind of flesh it out. And there's just so much you can do baking wise on a sheet pan. I love sheet cakes. I love that they're, you know, so nostalgic, just one layer. The like ratio of frosting to cake is kind of perfect on a sheet cake. Um, you can serve it straight from the pan. Uh, things cook a lot quicker on a sheet pan. You know, if you're baking a layer cake in all the, your little round you know, eight inch cake dishes, the cake's going to take a lot longer to bake because there's more batter, you know, volume wise in there. So if you just cook one sheet tray of cake, um, it cooks quickly, it cools quickly. So you can then cut up your cake and stack it and frost it if that's what you want to do. But there's just so much you can do on it. You can make like a giant slab pie. Um, cooking on a sheet or baking on a sheet pan is really all about sharing desserts, which I just, I love doing. I feel like baking is sort of my love language. So if I can make a giant batch of something, um, which I can on a sheet pan, then, you know, everyone's happy. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, Don, do you cook a lot with a sheet pan? I do. No, I, I've tried a few times. The problem is I look away, I look back and it's burnt. So I still haven't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try, but I still haven't got that part of it down. But now with the, this cookbook, you can do I'm it. Done. Of really trying all the different uh, things you have in there. I think the best thing now, that's in my opinion, is you make. I saw in there that you had a. <laughs> I, I a have lemon, faith in you, Don. A lemon tar, lemon bar. Is it a lemon bar? Lemon poppy seed cake. Yes, yes. Uh, I love lemon. There's a, there's a fish, key lime bar in there. Dessert. It's a very nice. I have some lemony stuff in there for you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to trying that. Nice. Things. Now, here, here's a question. Why is it called a sheet pan? 
I mean, uh, of all, why, why was was that name made? You know, I don't know. And technically, the pans, the pan that I use in my book is called a half sheet because in like the restaurant world, they use sheet pans all the time, and the sheet pans that they use are enormous. They're like huge. The ones for the home cook and your your home oven are called half sheet pans, um, but. I don't know why they're called sheet pan. I mean, they're they're like these j- large sheets of metal, I guess. But um, I don't know the, the uh, origin of that. <laughs> Google shall be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> we we will get that answer. But the holidays are coming up. Obviously, Halloween, Thanksgiving. Christmas, Hanukkah, all sorts of holidays. You have some nice holiday recipes in there as well, don't you? I do. Yeah. This book is perfect for holiday baking because like I said, you can make so much. So if you have a holiday party, you can bring like a whole tray of gingerbread, say, or you can, I mean, obviously there's a cookie section. So if you have a cookie swap, you could do that. For Halloween, we could do like instead of making my uh, mother-in-law always makes a pumpkin pie on Halloween, but instead of just making one pumpkin pie, you can make a whole sheet tray of pumpkin pie bars. So it just it goes a lot farther. So if you know, especially in these times where people are starting to gather again and have parties, um, you could do a ton of stuff on a sheet pan around the holidays. Now, what's the difference between because? There's a cookie sheet and a sheet pan, but maybe you may not know this answer either because I know my wife will at times be like, use the cookie cookie pan. I'm like, I don't know which yeah, one's which. I'll pull, I'll, pull, I'll pull out all the pans. <laughs> <laughs> the cookie sheet does not have the little lip around the edge, like the, the border. And you're going to want that for the recipes in this cookbook because if you're cooking a cake or like a pie, you want something to sort of contain what you're baking. If you use a cookie sheet, it's just going to fall off the edge. So make sure that you're using uh, a sheet pan with the edge or uh, the lip around the edge. So the you. secret is when she tells me to get the cookie sheet, look for the one that has no edge. <laughs> that's, all, that's all she had to say. We'll just keep that between us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just get the one with no edge. That's just not make fancy names. Just say get the one with no edge. But I, yeah. I, I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> now for the sheet pans, I think this would be awesome, especially with uh, uh, little one. I mean, my son's about to turn 10. He's involved in sports. So they always have sort of like bake sales and things like that. I think this is perfect for those type of scenarios when you're going to these sort of events and instead of having to individually cook a million different things. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yes, that's another great example of what baking on a sheet pan can do. You can bake, you know, 50 cookies on a sheet pan. Well, you, you'll have to rotate the pan, but you can bake, you know, instead of making blueberry muffins individually, you can bake a sheet cake, a blueberry muffin sheet cake and just slice it up into pieces, um, wrap them up if that's what you're going to do. But I've got recipes for like sheet pan rice crispy treats. You could do um, the cover recipe, which is this gorgeous, like um, chocolate chip cake with this really swoopy chocolate frosting. Kids love that one. Um, that would be a big hit at a bake sale. Yeah, nice and also you organized the book by uh, 
essential tools, equipment, ingredients, and of course, substitutions. Of course, as Don knows, with the supply chain issues and mm. the coffee industry, it's good to have a backup idea. So that was great on your end to actually list things for certain substitutions because sometimes things aren't going to go as planned. <laughs> Totally. I love having substitutions available because you're right. You know, sometimes you look in the fridge and you're like, oops, I don't have, you know, sour cream. What else could I use? Um, And baking is, you know, scientific. So you do have to be careful about what you sub in and out. But there's a lot of really easy swaps that you can make. Um, And yet those all those notes are in the front of the book. Now, Don. I don't want you to get too too excited. Are you sitting down fully, Don? Are your elbows in the chair position? Yes, they are. Okay. Brace yourself because we've never done video on this show before. We were always broadcast radio and podcast format. First time ever. Now, we didn't do this with Susie, so you can feel very special on this, Molly, for the first time ever on Small Bites. The audience can see the product instead of us just talking about it. Look at that. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm not used to uh, presenting. I'm no white. That's, that's, that's for sure. (laughs) You get the pleasure of touching the book. As you can see, the photography is amazing. Who doesn't want to lick those pages? I mean, great. That was cool. And yeah. Don, as you mentioned, when you were we were talking to Susie, easy peasy recipes to follow. Yes, yes. That's what do you think of that, Don? That's always great in a cookbook. But we're not oh. in studio, so guess whose cookbook it is now? <laughs> uh, yours until I come over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, here comes the hard question now. You made this book. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love it. Lots of great recipes. What's the go-to? What's the recipe that we have to purchase this book for to make sure that as soon as we open it, that's the one we're going to to make first? That's such a hard question. I hate that question because it's like, which child is your favorite? But um, yeah, yeah. that's why I only have one child. (laughs) (laughs) I have three. So, you know, that's a tough one for me. Um, I will say the cover recipe for sure. It's a chocolate chip cake with a fudge frosting that comes together really quickly in the food processor. And it is so good. I just I think it's worth the price of admission. It does look good. Let's let's show that to Don again. Look, look at that, Don. Yeah, yeah. And this is what oh, we showed on all that. of our social medias. I love it. And I love that. This is awesome for I, I the cover of the book. book. I got two books I got to look at. <laughs> That's great. I mean, That's great. It, uh, but that cover of that book, really, you just like want to take your finger and just start hoping that chocolate comes off onto your finger and, <laughs> and stick it in your mouth. And we were mentioning that you have three children. How did Jack make a recipe? I want to know this. <laughs> well, Jack is my middle child. He's the classic middle. He's a little spicy. He um, requested this cake for his third birthday. Um, and he's four now, so it's been a while. But he still requests this cake to this day. Um, so I call it Jack's cake. 
That is awesome. <laughs> and it has to feel good that, that it will be timeless. That no matter, just like we were talking about your first book, in 10 years, you'll pick this book up and you're going to say to yourself as quickly as time flies, man, I can't, it, it feels so good to remember of those days when Jack would ask for this every time for his birthday. Yeah, no, it's really special. I feel really lucky. That's awesome. That's awesome. But I have to say, it was such a thrill talking to you. I love the concept, sheet pan sweets. I mean, it, it's awesome. And also, easy cleanup, isn't it? Yeah, you're not pulling out every every pan in your arsenal. So, yeah. That is awesome. Uh, Molly Gilbert, Sheet Pan Sweets, simple, streamlined dessert recipes. Uh, do you want to share website, social media, anything like that before you go? Sure. Uh, on social media, I'm on Instagram a lot as Molly Duncan Crumb. That's Molly Dunk, the letter N, and then the word crumb. And that comes from my blog, which I don't do it. Or, you know, it's not quite as active anymore as it once was, but that is called Dunk and Crumble. Dot com, um, and you can find a lot of recipes there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was a thrill having you. Have a great Thanks night. Thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. That was fun, Don, wasn't it? Yeah, I like that book. It's nice. Nice, easy. Yeah. I, and, and I like the uh, the cover is her favorite recipe. I mean, yeah. how cool is that? Like well, you're going to put, put your numero, front. yeah. If you're going to do the numero uno, uno in the front. Now, what uh, recipe should we go for for Phillies? Let's see. You've been watching the Phillies, right? I have. They're winning, I think. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that kind of talk, Don. Uh, so uh, let's. So I tell you, they're, they're explosive. They're explosive right now, and uh, we could go with uh, sweet cherry shortcakes. This I actually like video now, Don. I never liked video. We're going to go to page one eighty nine. It's it's sort of like interactive. We can be interactive with this. So we're going to go think what the Phillies would be. One eighty nine, sweet cherry shortcakes. It's got Phillies red. Look at that. Do you like that, go. Don? Red, yeah, October red. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. That looks. The yeah. hunt for red October is here. Yes, it is. Sweet cherry shortcakes. Here, I'm going to describe it to you. I should. I should. I should have did. It's a daylight dollar short, isn't it, Don? I let our guest go too soon, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. She could have described everything for us. <laughs> Sweet cherry shortcakes. When plump sweet cherries are in season, I'm hard-pressed to do anything besides eat them fresh by the bowlful, but these simple shortcakes make a good case for pulling out the cherry pitter. I couldn't agree. They look awesome. Can you show that picture again? Oh, yeah. You want this, the, the, you, you want the, the oh, we'll go with the Phillies one. Look at that. <laughs> I, I, like, I like that. There you go. You can, Makes you want to the red, the white. Just need a little blue somewhere. Yeah, get, get a little blue in there. Should so I search the book for Eagles? But the Eagles? We'll, we'll Should search. I search the book for an Eagles green? 
Is there a green one in there? Maybe St. Patrick's Day uh, recipe in there might have a little green. Eagles green. I was, obviously, We're since you had the book and I don't, uh, you know, you could. I think we might have to ask for. I might. I think we might have to have the cookbook sent to both addresses now. I, that would be great. I, now, now that we're not in studio, the studio, the studio doesn't address uh, doesn't work. Ooh, look at this. There we are. Look at that. Good. Oh. Sort of like that's for the that's for the Eagles scratch and sniff. For the scratch and the sniff, we're having too much fun here, Don. We are, but <laughs> it's like a kid in the candy shop. Exactly, Something exactly. New, new little toy. Uh, now, what would you say is something that you are looking forward to this? Upcoming fall or winter, because you've been to all the events. You're the event man. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to the burger brawl that's coming up very shortly. Oh yes, that's this weekend, isn't it? I think it's the weekend after. Mm, weekend after is Halloween. Mm. No, it's, it's next month. No, is it the burger? I thought it was October 23rd or something like that. I have to look at my calendar. Let's 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 check for you for for a previous guest. The Philadelphia Burger Brawl I believe is Saturday. Let's see. We're, we're going to check cuz we we don't want you to miss it. That, oh, that's for sure. I have it on the calendar. Sunday, October 23rd, next Sunday. Yeah, next week. You mean this Sunday or next Sunday? This hmm. Sunday is today, Don. That's true. It is. Boy, my days are all. <laughs> I'm so excited with this new video. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's our first time delving into this digital world. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah, I like it. It's, uh, I think it has a lot of potential. Well, I'm going to tell you something else that's exciting to get ready for. And it's sort of in the same category of burgers as it has a lot to do with beef. And do you know what that would be and who it would be, Don? I know what I enjoy beef is a nice steak. Nice oh, steak, yes. Yes. Well, I've got the perfect person to join us, and that's Christopher Santala, the Director of Operations for Old Stone Steakhouse. Uh, I mean, they have really done a lot. Uh, this is a, they opened about a year ago, and the word has gotten out of how fantastic they are. But we're going to let Christopher share some of that information we don't we don't spoil all everything uh, otherwise he won't have anything to talk about how's it going tonight christopher can you hear me how are you gentlemen uh, we can hear you just fine we're doing fine so uh you are the director of operations for old stone steakhouse tell us about it you guys have been open for a year uh 
uh, getting lots of buzz. How's it going? So, yeah, so um, it's uh, it's exactly what, so the vision in the beginning was, um, you know, that old school prime meat seafood steakhouse where, you know, it's just, it's always worked. It's a working mm-hmm. recipe. Um, but in this area of uh, County, Pennsylvania, it's, you have to go to, to get the closest one, something like it is a city like metropolitan wise. So I wanted to, we wanted to bring it here. So people could just come down to this area. Like people that live here can come here and enjoy a night out. It's an experience altogether through and through. And you're located in New Hope, correct? Yeah. And one of the coolest things is the ambiance. Tell us about the building itself. Okay. So yes, the uh, so the buildings. It's a 150 it's year old church. It used to be a Methodist church. Um, and which I mean, that's part of the reason to draw me down here. Um, but if he, if it seats like 20 feet, 20, 120 people, it's got art deco styles from top to bottom when they did it. Um, it's the authentic, it's like a jazz bar upstairs on the third floor. It's almost like a, a speakeasy, but on a third floor loft where the choir used to be in a, in a church. Um, the chandelier, uh, in the, in the, uh, restaurant, actually during the movie, the John Wick three movie and church stained glass windows. And they have a huge, uh, there's a huge mural in the restaurant. Um, and that's called uh, it's, I think, the Remnant, and it was painted just for the restaurant by a local artist, and it's it's massive. It's it's really it's like when you walk up, it's really uh, it's breathtaking. Wow, it's the second floor, and it's huge. You can how many guests can you seat at one time? Two hundred and six. So it's two hundred and six. size. That's downstairs. As you can add another forty-eight. At the bar level, totally different menu, price point friendly, like everyday menu. Um, it's, it's almost as like you can. It's like you can come in when you're local. You can come in any day. Come to special occasions of night if you want to eat too. And you guys also, for movie buffs, you are very famous because you guys have something that was seen in a sort of recent movie and it was actually in the poster. Do you, you want to share that? I thought it was John Wick's three poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The, the chandeliers. That's theirs. That's people actually pointed that out at dinner like last night and during service. So people are noted. People notice that when they walk in, it's because it's pretty prominent, but it's very awesome. It's cool. Just the, yeah. the lighting in the building downstairs, is like an art deco theme bar. So when you walk in, it's like a, you, know, you got 80s music themed, like you want to hang out and have fun. And then upstairs, you have that Frank Sinatra, you know, old school rat pack. Sit down, have a nice prime steak. And, and trust me, with, with the prime meat market going in the direction it's going, we're keeping up with it. And, you know, we're making adjustments, but we're making adjustments for our cut for the guests. Um, and true to our, our values. That's awesome. That's awesome. And also, Don, I know you. You also, you always like to go to a good steakhouse. But you like it when it has that really cool bar aspect to it as well. And you guys have a very cool bar that dates back to the 1920s. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's actually, that's on the third floor. So that is, 
it's probably the most amazing bar I've seen, right? And so we have technically we have two bars, the third floor and the main bar when you walk in. Third floor bar is more of like uh, it's more of like like an overflow cocktail hours. Like like I said, speak easy upstairs, but um, we use the main bar mostly, but it's because it's it's downstairs on the first floor, so it's. I mean, major whiskey focus, high bourbon focus, um, huge bourbon cocktail list. Uh, it's definitely staying true to the American steakhouse theme. It's awesome. So how about you, Don? What, what kind of steaks do you like? I personally, my favorite steak is a porterhouse. How about you, Don? I mean, I'm in the same boat as you are. I enjoy a nice porterhouse steak. You guys, you guys are fan of the strip and the fly yes so that so for me personally i'm all about i mean i'm all about the new york strip steak through and through but like on bone kansas city style is probably that's that's the half that i cut out of that porterhouse right so that's Mm. that's my section of that i love it yeah the bone adds so much flavor to the meat you get closer to when you're when you're cooking it anything that we we try to uh i mean all of our meats you know, we, we inspected, we, our chef, we, the chef inspects them, we, the butcher inspects them, like, we make sure that we have stepped up fillets, that our ribeyes are marbleized, that, uh, you, you know, through the process, and then, like, our chef is phenomenal at what he does, and his team, that, you know, we, we, they were brought here for a reason, because they know what they- You know, it's not easy uh, cooking a good steak. You just you have to have, you have to have a really good technique in uh, doing something like that. It's also about the, how how the temperature is ordered, right? Someone orders a, a steak that's like a, let's say a cowboy ribeye steak that's medium rare, and the cut of our meat is a twenty two ounce cowboy ribeye. You got to pay attention to the ounce weight of that because it's gonna it's gonna it'll burn quicker with the marbleization in the fat than right. anything. So they got they gotta, they really have to pay attention to what's going on with the with the size of the meat cut. Luckily, we we do that ourselves. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is fat equals flavor. I always find it funny when people say, "Oh, my steak was too fatty," or it had this fat on the side. It's sort of like. Well, if the thing didn't have fat, it would be flavorless. Yeah, it would be dry. Yeah, that's that's what makes it prime. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes you crave and everything like that. So, obviously, you guys are experts at steak. What's the next menu item that's a must-have when we come to Old Stone? Uh, I honestly believe that. I mean, our seafood game has to be on point for your steakhouse, right? You can't you can't have great steak without great seafood. So our raw bar selection and our uh, you know our towers, everything from the oysters that we bring in daily to uh, you know uh, the day boat fish that the chef switches up every day. It's whatever whatever like um, you know whatever the market's calling for. But it's, but he's not only about that; he's about whatever tastes right. So it's all about. Uh, you know the flavor profile of of everything. So the fish, I I would honestly feel like that. And our sides, obviously, a la carte dining, you have to have the best sides. If you don't, you might as well just shut down. Without a doubt, I, and 
I've been to so many steakhouses where you cringe when a side comes where you'll pay ten, twelve dollars for a side and you're like, This is it? <laughs> yeah. Looks like a microwaved bag of asparagus. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that's, actually, that's that. So I, uh, I went around. I've gone around the whole country to steakhouses before I got into steakhouses, and I've seen you know their flaws, and you know I've seen some amazing things. I've seen some bad things. Um, I mean, it's usually how it goes. You know, when you when you want to do one of these things. Um, this is I've been doing steakhouses now for I'd say. 15 years 20 years um uh and i've seen the what works and what doesn't work and it's always the same thing that works and it's always the same thing that doesn't work it's it's kind of amazing actually well i have to tell you i mean you guys have been getting uh rave reviews at old stone steakhouse in new hope you've only been open for about a year you've got award-winning vibe that People are enjoying from all over the place. You're perfectly located between New York City and Philadelphia. And New Hope is such a cool little area in Lambertville, right over the bridge to, to really hang out and have a bed and breakfast and get yourself an awesome dinner at Old Stone Steakhouse. You've reconcepted the steakhouse's main dining room. You've got the big meats, higher-end cuts, uh, chops, sides, desserts, everything. You guys are just knocking it out of the park. Uh, and internationally recognized in an 1872 Old Stone Church. 9,000 square foot space, Don. How cool is That's, that? That is unbelievable. I, I mean... I, 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 Oh, I guess, yeah. The artwork that that he talked about, I guess, it would have to be that big to to showcase it in such a venue. Yeah, I mean the 1950s Art Deco style. Uh, Chris, you, you've got yourself a winning combination there. You've got an awesome new team: uh, William Wesner, culinary director; Tyler Hart, sous chef; Emily Torres, the beverage manager. But uh, most important, what ha- who, who runs all that usually, Don? Who runs all that is the director of operations, and that's you, pal, Christopher. Uh, Christopher Santala, great job. And I know I'm excited for uh, me and Don to come up next time we're in the New Hope area and try things Absolutely. out. Uh, it, it sounds great. Why don't you give a website, social media, anything like that before you go? Yeah, I- Perfect timing because uh, that's what I just finished was the website. We're at uh, oldstonenewhope.com. Um, and then you can find it, Old Stone Steakhouse, on Instagram. Um, awesome. Th- th- thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we recommend everybody to uh, go up and check it out. Have yourself a great night. You guys take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, Don, like you said, I mean, uh, I love that old school steakhouse feel. I do. You go in and you got the mar- yeah, not the marble, but the the walnut type bars with the with that. You know, you walk up to it and, you, and it has. He could tell you a story. He could touch it and say, "Ah, oh, th- this is what it's all about." Awesome, awesome. But we can't end the show without one of our favorite individuals. And do you know who that is? Uh, as always, Chef Barbie Marshall. 
Chef Barbie Marshall. She's joining us for our first ever entry into the virtual netherworld without no physical walls, Don. <laughs> we are all now remote. How's it going, Chef Barbie? It's going great. I can hear me. Are we doing good? We okay. are doing fantastic. So, uh, what's what's happening with you? Oh, all the great things. I, I've kind of been, um, since I've been back in Philly, stopping at a lot of great, cool places to eat that are locally because I missed it here. Um, but it's also fall, and uh, I happened upon this very delicious pumpkin cheesecake at Empire Diner, and I had to add that for my pumpkin spice that, you know, if you want a really good slice of cheesecake in Lansdowne, the pumpkin cheesecake on special at Empire Diner is spectacular. Um, the texture is just amazing. And I'm out and about looking for all things pumpkin. There, I've had some tarts around at La Colombe because I've been stopping there and, and nibbling. And um, even my favorite place, Tavern on Comet, has like a roasted squash, aka pumpkin uh, salad on special pomegranate right now. So. I'm all about the pumpkin spice for the first time in my life. Um, truly. <laughs> oh, it's so, the perfect yeah. time of year. Yeah, pumpkin spice has really take off, took off. It, it really yeah. did. Uh, and I but and even even my wife the other day, she had something as uh, pumpkin spice, and she said, "Usually, I'm not in the pumpkin spice." And she goes, "This was fabulous," and I forget what it was. So, I think some of these places have really narrowed down uh, what needs to do and uh, the the balance of uh, sugar, because sometimes it was too sweet or too yeah. uh, too too spicy. So, I, I think everybody's got it right in the middle. But thank you so much for joining us, Chef Barbie, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thank you. Have a good one. So, Don, I had to turn my camera on one last time before we ended. My camera had to go off for a little while. Maybe it was my computer. There was lag issues. See if we can get it worked out. I thought it was pretty good for our first one. Yeah, I think it was great. You look better than ever. I think you're I normally don't get to look at your face this much when we were in studio, so I, I like it. I, I like that I get to just look directly into your eyes for an hour straight, see the gaze. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Why don't you kick it off to end it? Yeah, I'm uh, Donato Marino with DNL Coffee Service. You know, go find us on uh, Facebook at DNL Coffee Service, and you take it next, Derek. There you go. I'm Derek Tim of Blue Jean Food. Uh, thank you so much to Susie Chase Cookery by the Book podcast, season nine coming out. She was a fantastic guest. Uh, Molly Gilbert, uh, sweet sheet pan sweets, simple streamlined dessert recipes by Molly Gilbert. And Christopher Santala, director of operations of Old Stone Steakhouse. And thank you, Chef Barbie Marshall. We end it like we always do. Uh, well, a little bit, not like we always do, virtually now. But we end it, <laughs> end the show like we always do with a joke of the week from the legendary joke teller, Jackie the Joke Man Martlin. Thanks so much, everyone. Hi, I'm Jackie Martling, and this is Small Bites. Two guys walk into a bar, sit down. The first guy says, give me a beer and give a beer to the jackass. <laughs> he drinks the beer. He says, give me another beer and give another beer to the jackass. The bartender says to the second guy, 
what's with all this jackass? And the second guy goes, e he always calls me that. <laughs> <laughs>